happens when you stop seeing people what happens when you stop seeing people behind bars as criminals and start seeing them as human beings welcome to sentences storytellers beyond bars the podcast where we explore the impact of the criminal justice system in our communities we're back this is alfred and this is tobias tobias how you been tobias oh bro uh everything is good exciting and uh yeah i'm excited to be here a little bit more. I want a little bit more than just that. Oh, bro, it's like <laughs> it's been a while. Moment, I haven't brother. seen yeah. you in a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A lot has happened in maybe the last, uh, I guess, 30, 30 days. So, you know, I was always just taking it all in. And then as we get along, I get excited. And, uh, yeah, bro, let's make it happen, bro. Let's make it happen. Learning new things, becoming a new person. Yeah. All the cheesy, cliche yeah. stuff is true, Yeah, huh? no, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's, it's, it's real life out here, bro. You know, when we're uh, sitting in those incarcerated spaces, you have a lot of thoughts and aspirations, dreams, but uh, to be here uh, in body, mm-hmm. that now you're going through the daily practical steps of seeing, uh, bringing those dreams and aspirations into fruition. And it takes a community, literally, to uh, make that happen. Mm-hmm. And this podcast is uh, proof of that reality. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that journey uh, or that change in you because I remember when you first came out you, you were at like a thousand and you, you had all these you know, we're going to come in we're going to demand this we're going to demand that and I like that energy but um, I think there's a way for us to be able to do that um, with, with the help of other people because you know it's not it's not as uh, uh, I think it's a lot of uh, unlearning or realizing you know once someone comes out of a of prison after for being after being in prison for so long. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is a completely different uh, culture, right? Three, uh, three, uh, three decades. And uh, one of my bros' mentors, uh, Jesse, said uh, before I stepped out, he said, "Brother, you have to enter the place as a student." Hmm. And you look at a person who was frontline leading for three decades. I came into my adulthood leading because I went in as a, a juvenile uh, with a life without sentence as a juvenile. And so to come back in space as a student is really the humility we have to show in almost every aspect of our new lives, from learning how to uh, get a license and get on the Internet and insurance and what is an LLC and how many different formations of an LLC, what is a nonprofit, how does it work, how to write a grant. I'm talking this is stuff that's beyond the average person, but this is how I must uh, learn all these things. So it takes people. Right. And it takes time. And time. 2019 Man, is the year uh, of the student. Uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> right? said it. Sounds good? Yeah, it sounds that's, beautiful. That's your that's new it. motto. That's it. That's and it. We're always, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, we're always learning. That's true. Well, I'm still learning, you know, that's true. as that's far true. as this goes, this project goes, um, for sure. That's right, bro. Um, but I'm, okay, great. And then for today's episode, we have a few, a couple new faces. Yes. Um, yes, yes. Really excited. You know, you're part of, they're part of uh, the team, right? Yes, they are, bro. part of the new uh, yes. Sentences family. Amen, bro. Um, Amen. But I think since we're starting off the, this is a new year, 2019, you okay. know, I just want to kind of remind people what the the major goals of this project, the, speak po- on, the podcast speak project on, are. Um, so one of them has always been to archive these stories, stories of the men and women um, who serve time, who are directly impacted Right, family members who of uh, directly impacted people, people who were formerly or currently incarcerated, always want to highlight those stories and archive them. That's one goal. And another goal originally was to provide us a resource, 
you know, provide a kind of like a yellow pages right. of sorts for all these resources available for people who are recently released, trying to reintegrate um, resources, a list of organizations and nonprofits and grassroots organizations doing the, the work of prison abolition, prison reformation um, uh, outside. Um, I've been doing a crappy job of that. Oh, you know, right. I, I, as far as archiving and making it accessible, right, 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 um, I'm going right. to try and get that going a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, make it, you know, maybe list, have a, a Tumblr or some sort of blog space where I can lead people to, direct people to. That's why we assembled a team. <laughs> so you're not by yourself. We got a team now. Cool. Yeah. 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 It does take a team. And then the last thing, I think, um, uh, I forgot what the last goal of the podcast. Oh, yeah, it's just to provide a space for these stories to um, exist and then also exist in the current existing um, conversation around prison abolition, prison reformation, Mm -hmm. right? Because the more stories we get from people who are directly impacted, the more complicated this conversation Mm -hmm. gets, the more complicated people start seeing the problem, right? Because right now it's really easy to see a black and white, good and bad. Right, 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 um, right. But we need to keep complicating that by introducing these stories and saying, no, you know what? Not everybody in there um, did the crime. Not everybody in there, uh, whatever, right? Um, we Like in that one episode, we talked about these gun enhancements and different enhancements for charges, right? So like say you kill somebody or you're, you're charged with uh, shooting somebody, but you're also tacked on with the gun enhancement, which yeah, adds 20-something yeah, yeah, years yeah. and then another enhancement for shooting yeah. through a screen door. Which, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. These, this, like, the more people hear about this, the more um, muggy right. this, this system becomes. And that's important. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say this too. Even for men and women who did do the crime in some form or another 30 years ago, or was a right. part 20, 40 years ago mm-hmm. that I was a child. Mm-hmm. I was a juvenile mm-hmm. at that time in my life. And time and space gave me enough time to change. And so please do not just hold me to that one right. moment in my life like I can never be right. more than that. Right. You know, so I believe this podcast and other platforms and organizations that are connected to all of us here tonight, that uh, it allows us to reintroduce uh, our humanity to people inside of a lived experience that allows people to know that you can grow, you can develop and mature, and be able to offer something to the world at the same time. Definitely. And this is something I want to come back to at a later episode. Okay. It's a larger discussion we yeah. gotta we got to touch on. All right. Um, but I want to be respectful of our guests' oh, time, guess, and I'm excited. Guess. I'm excited to get to these stories. Yes, sir. Um, so... Why don't you go ahead and introduce um, one of our guests that we have, and I'll introduce the other. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to introduce Raven. And, uh, you know, it's always a a story uh, behind or a narrative behind every interaction and relationship. Uh, Just very quickly, I was in Hot and Cool, which is in Lamert Park. Malora Park, we're fighting for you. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on there with gentrification and, you know, moving uh, black and brown people out of those spaces and moving corporate uh, ambitions into those spaces. So I seen Raven there to make a long story short. I engaged her, man, uh, just wanted to see who she was and what she was about. And it just turned out that she is a very personal and dynamic uh, a soul 
And uh, she, uh, like I've said earlier, we come out so vulnerable and voided out of being incarcerated for 30 years. So she uh, helps me fulfill uh, many roles in my life through her skills, talents, and expertise. So with that being said, I'm going to uh, you know, allow Raven to speak for herself and uh, just know that she's appreciated and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to have her here today. Miss Raven Morgan. Raven with the E in. Yeah. <laughs> That's like an inside joke, but uh, it's so great to be here. Um, Tobias shared a little bit of our story, and the fact that I'm here uh, just shows how special the human connection is. Like, I am so ecstatic to be here. It's so awesome that we just went over the purpose of this whole project. Uh, there's another special person that's in this room, but more or less our connection really is an example and proof of the human connection mm. and that Tobias, a year ago, I didn't know him. He didn't know me, but it doesn't make a difference that I haven't known him my whole life physically right? right but when we were in that cafe it's the spirit of, of, of a person that really has that authority to draw you to one another so oh, that's beautiful raven i'm gonna ask you this what uh what is your interest you know what are your skills and talents and give how do you see this how do you conch uh, what's your contribution to not only this co- uh, podcast and our team here but to to life, uh, you know, what are you bringing? You know, what are you looking for? What are you seeking to accomplish? Yeah, um, to life, I guess I'll start with most important, to life. I, I hope to bring a grateful spirit into whatever I enter into. And so for me, one of the things that I hold dearest to my heart is the idea of community and community development. So it's the idea that it is possible to blend community, something that we consider to be grassroots, something that we may not necessarily associate with money all the time, but that we associate with love and family and culture, uh, and to tie that with development, which comes in the aspect of strategically placing businesses, strategically placing schools um, in order for the people within them to manifest a healthier family life, a healthier education. Hmm. So, you know, what are your credentials? What is your background? Yeah. <laughs> Tell them, uh, Raven. Tell them. So, I, I uh, re- rep HU. You mm. know, so all the bison out there. Shout out to us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, I recently graduated from Howard University. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and graduated from there with communications and community development, which is what I was just speaking about. Uh, currently, I have the opportunity to intern for a warrior, uh, one of the fiercest women that we have representing our best interests, Senator Harris. Congratulations. Uh, and so that that's um, what I'm doing right now, uh, as well as just working with the team. That's right, know. sis. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this. How do you take the education of Howard and your experiences in internship uh, with her and bring that together into uh, our space to develop grassroots people. Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you see that? How does that work? 
Right. Well, what's funny is that she's a bison, too. She wow. went to Howard. Okay. She graduated from Howard. That's where she went uh, undergrad, right? So um, I guess you can say that perhaps it's something that it has been ingrained from that. Not to say that it just started from me going to, to college, but I guess I've been adept to bring it out into the world because of that formal training from that place. Our pillars are leadership, excellence, truth, and service. Amen. Let's. That's the acronym for it. Hmm. Um, and say, so, wait, say that again? Yeah, let's do that again. Let's run it back. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to slip over that. Yeah. <laughs> so the acronym is LET'S. Leadership, excellence, truth, and service. Um, and that's something that's been ingrained in me for the last four years but also I have a an amazing family who's taught me you know a lot of morals that I live my life based upon um but I guess it's it's the idea that in college I was able to learn the importance of uh garnering information and and resources not only for yourself but for the community because um, I didn't know it a year ago, but I needed to learn what I learned in order to even be prepared to talk and to meet to you, to like Tobias. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think I'm going to take this opportunity to, uh, when we're talking about community and engaging with the community, Uh to introduce our next guest that That we have here. That sounds perfect. I think that's perfect. (laughs) Candace Chavez-Wilson, who is a community activist, um, and she's also a feminist, and she has... Uh, husband who's who's recently um, has since commuted, um, but has also entered entered our project and entered Tobias's you know life and try to uh, put a little bit more um, would you say structure? Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, she does that. Um, she does that. But I'm really excited to have her on the podcast. Um, so yeah, thank you. Welcome. And thank you for having me. We're happy also. to have you. Thank you. Tobias for bringing me into your circle mm-hmm. and kind of and it's great to have somebody who's listened to the episode a couple of episodes <laughs> right, and right, um, right. been involved we've actually I just realized we've known Candace uh, or has been Candace has been involved in Words Uncaged and different projects around that we our paths must have crossed at some point I was just and talking to her I'm like oh wait so you have I have met you for sure Um, in a roundabout way I think that there's always some layers you know I think that there's definitely some overlap in a lot of our work and a lot of our connections and I wanted just to say it's been really a a pleasure and honor to meet Raven finally and to be brought into this so thank you Tobias thank you Alfred oh of course um my connection, I think, really started with Jerry Silva and with Fair Chance Project and Fuel, which is Families United to End a LWAP Sentence, which is Life Without the Possibility of Parole. Families United to End LWAP. LWAP. And life LWAP stands for Life Without the Possibility of Parole. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really is where my journey kind of began as far as being more um, involved and engaged Um, When I started this journey with my husband, I tried to learn everything I could about the law. And um, understanding it, it just was difficult. So connecting with people, connecting with organizations. I'm also a member of uh, CCWP, which is California Coalitions of Women Prisoners. Mm. And I'm a member of LARP, uh, LA Reentry. And I'm just really involved with, again, because Cal State LA has... The connection with Lancaster, which is where we're at. So there's again an overlap there with, with the events that they have and with Words Uncaged and different the radio program that uh, Joy Jerry. We can edit that. So <laughs> that Jerry does. Um, 
Tobias has actually been on that recently. Um, So there's just a lot of community involvement, a lot of um, resources that are available, and I'm always trying to kind of like pass on information that I learn. And Jerry Silva, you said, right? That's a, um, she, she hosts the show on KPFK? Yes, she does. And it's a behind, behind the Bars, or I forgot the name of it. Um, it's fine. We can, we can always link it to our tagger. But yeah, so that's an episode. I've posted about it on their Instagram. At some point, there's a post on there for the Sentences podcast. Right, because I think I might have tagged you. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been featured on there a couple of times. There's a segment where Dr. Bidan Roy will highlight a segment from our, yes. our podcast. Yes. So recently, she had a segment on abolitionists and critical mm. resistance was on. Mm. Uh, so she truly is somebody who has been advocating and been fighting for 30 years, if not longer, uh, facts, which is uh, families against... I think mandatory sentencing. Um, she just has done a lot of work with um, um, segregation units. Um, she's just really an awesome woman. Mm. She's a fierce woman. Yeah. She's somebody mm. who I hold very dear to my heart. And I feel like I would not be here really if it weren't for mm. her. I've yet to meet and her. Tobias. I've yet yeah, to meet her. I will meet her at some point. Yes. Dr. Roy will sometimes invite me to the studio. And I awesome. hasn't hasn't happened yet because I guess our schedules my schedule hasn't mm. really allowed for it, mm. um, but it will I know I just I got to be part of that. Well, she's and I actually kind of um, yeah I I reached out to Tobias when he was recently home, yeah. um, at at this at the suggestion that my husband let told me not to and yeah. he asked me yeah. to give him some time to breathe and yeah. to kind of yeah. acclimate to being home after having served several decades mm. incarcerated. So let's talk about that connection. So I know you mm. two. How do you, you how do you two know each other? Mm. Well, uh, like she said, uh, her husband. Uh, she called him Tawan. I call him Jamil. Yeah, you know we're part of the same faith. Behind the wall, you know, uh, community is big, especially men who are seeking to be positive. Uh, you know, this man. I really admire him because I shy away from education, although I'm blessed to, you know. Uh, share myself at Cal State at a school, but he's an achiever. You know, he's top-notch in those kind of circles. So I really admired him, how he's this college, and, and, and I'm talking about a real live overachiever in those spaces, master mathematician, scrabble champ, <laughs> like, just really, like, and a man of very chess few champ. words. Chess, okay, chess champ. Uh, so a man of very few yeah, words. There's a difference, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. Yeah, so uh, with that being said, uh, I observed him, and I knew that uh, he deserved uh, a second chance. A man like myself who was incarcerated without any violence on his record for decades in some of the worst prisons, a uh, champion for the underdog, stand-up kind of guy. So when uh, I, I left, you know, I was like, okay, boom, he's going to be one of the men that we highlight. So with that being uh, said, I'm really just trying to get my life together and all that's going to take, you know, Raven came along, Jesse, a few other people really, like, helped me along the way so I don't go through a lot of the burden and hardship that most in, uh, previously incarcerated people. So I get, like, a little packet. Uh, I forgot what it was, maybe a card and some more stuff. And I really didn't read it. I just threw it on a stack of other letters and cards. And I think it was uh, a mutual friend, Woody. Uh, a guy who was commuted, his sentence was turned just like mine, and we got out of breaks at the same time. And he said, yeah, you know, CC or Candace, uh, she wrote you, she's waiting for a response. I don't know, oh, my goodness gracious. You know, time, and that's one thing I've learned about doing time in prison is that here, time is so precious. 
And the more relationships that you take on, the more time you have to give people. So I'm just real careful about who I offer my time. So with that being said, uh, she invited me to a graduation. And uh, for those who don't know, my wife, uh, she died while I was in prison. Uh, So in honor of her, I try to support all men who have wives who they can't support, graduations, childhood parties, Christmas, whatever the case might be, if I can make it. I got there, so it was her a graduation. What is it called? The SC graduation? Yes. And uh, I made it. And it was one of the best days of, of uh, my life. It was just so much love and, and power and strength. I've told Alfred, uh, after 30 years of dealing with men, I'm kind of tired of dealing with men. I need to deal with women and femininity and give me some soprano and alto. I'm tired of bass and tenor. And so I got into that space with all these beautiful, powerful women and their stories. And I'm looking at Candace, and I kind of felt that uh, it might be more to do than me just giving to charity uh, and coming there and trying to uh, serve and offer my wife, who is deceased, uh, those blessings. With that being said, she invited me uh, to lunch, and uh, she just spoke words of power, man. And uh, and from that time, I understood that uh, Candace will be very instrumental and not only me acclimating myself and just becoming rooted back in society as a productive citizen, but uh, she's become a friend, and uh, I appreciate her husband, Tawan Jamil, because it's one thing, it's two things a man have in prison, that's God and his wife, and you don't mess with a man's God, and you definitely uh, know that it's a trust to be trusted with a man's wife, and to have that trust, uh, shout out to the bro, And uh, so Candace, uh, that's why I wanted to really bring her to the table. And she really ain't told y'all what she do and what she got because she's a wealth. Uh, So, yeah, that's how we met. Maybe Candace can uh, add a little bit more to that. Thank you. That was lovely. Um, Yeah, so I wrote him a letter and then he didn't reply. (laughs) I uh, I sent him a card and he didn't reply. And then I reached out. Uh, I I apologize. (laughs) Through a mutual friend, um, just kind of casually saying, yeah, I wrote him, you know, he hasn't replied. And then he called me. And Mm. from there, it was very organic and just kind of... Was this when you were... uh, Were you out of prison already? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Okay, yeah. Yes, this was when he was in transitional housing. Yeah, still. Still in transitional housing, because he will stay in transitional housing for six months upon release of your sentence. Early in my transitioning. Yes. Yeah. And then I think you you said something about um, your husband telling you just to maybe hold off before you reach out to Tobias. Give him a couple months or so. Yes. Yeah. So actually, I was taking his advice, and then I heard him on your podcast. And yeah, I thought, exactly. mm, yeah. he sounded like he's touching buttons. Yeah. He's greeting all these men. He yeah. sounds really alive and energized. Mm, and I was on. like, he's good. Yeah. He's ready. <laughs> he's ready. He's ready. <laughs> he's ready. Yes. Right. Because yeah. I really felt like the worst thing is that he could just be like, yeah, hi, okay, you know, and then we just don't talk again, but at least he has my number, we've said hello, and and that would be it. I thought, worst case scenario, at least I get to, you know, talk to him, and we never talk again, and that would be fine, but I still needed to make the effort. I'm always Mm -hmm. a firm believer of, you make the effort, even if the door is not open at that moment, it could be Mm -hmm. open down the road, Mm -hmm. and that person at least is left with knowing, okay, there was a touch point. That's right. Um, 
So I invited him to my graduation with Ethy Justice Group, which is led by Gina Clayton. Actually, I uh, was based in Oakland, and it is a group that is for women That's who right. are impacted by incarceration. Love you. Uh, I, I love my Essie sisters. And the woman who had nominated me, Satina Green... Yeah. Just to kind of fully explain this, and that's where the tie-in kind of, I think it all yes, fit, yes, was yes, that her yes. husband, who was also commuted, yes, yes, knows Tobias yes, from yeah, the early ago. days of car- incarceration. Yes. So he was able to see her, see his grown children, and know this man's family that he yes. had not ever yes, seen. Yes, yes, yes. Candice, right there, uh, just to give the audience, uh, uh, I guess, a reference put this in context this is in the early 90s and his children is barely the age he was then so this is like when this young man was barely in his 20s and uh, to be a part of his life at that time and to get very intimate relationships to stand against great odds in that man's life and for 20 years later to see his children ah it was simply amazing to see his wife, and uh, yeah, that is what life is about, literally, to know that you made those investments, and in that investment in that man's humanity and his safety, that now he has produced children that are a part of this cause and mission. And I want to say this, too, as to the Essie group, we have to remember that women are the greater supporters of incarcerated men and women. You know, uh, grandmothers, mothers, wives, daughters, sisters, friends, girlfriends, homegirls, etc. Uh, the majority of the $5 billion that we spend while incarcerated comes out of women's pockets. So uh, anytime that, I, although I didn't think about that when I, I didn't even know what Essie was, but when I got there and I started hearing the stories and who these women are and what they're doing, I was humbled. You know, I'll be ready to speak. Why don't they pass me the, the mic? Ain't no men talking. Let me tell these women, thank you. Uh, we need us to come out and say thank you and not only thank you. Now we need to have a men's organization that complements their organization. We're the men you supported. Now look at the work that we're doing. A lot of men, we come out. A lot of terrible things happen in certain relationships with women. But uh, there are some of us who get out. And we stay stumped down and get to the greater work. So uh, that's what was real important, not only supporting Candace and seeing uh, the family of Brother Green, but to know I'm connected with an organization of women who's doing the great work. So I had the chance to talk to Candace um, before we started recording, and she brought something up that was really interesting. Um, the idea of reintegration and the idea of um, having, the giving to bias or giving people time, right, to adjust. Um, because... Something that you outlined, Candice, which was really eye-opening to me, was like w- the process of being released. So can you walk us through that? And then maybe, um, and of course, you, Tobias, too, I'm, I'm sure. Like, what, what is it that, I think because you're more familiar with, uh, you see a lot more cases outside, right? Um, uh, you, you, your work has been with um, helping these communities specifically from the outside. So I'm curious to see, like, what are some of the concerns or some of the things that you um, brought up earlier again? Okay, so... To start off, I am going to make a distinction just a little bit between the way women are released and the way, you know, um, men. I don't. I can't actually speak to men, but I know I can speak to some of the way that women are released that 
Sometimes they're released at odd hours. Yes. They are literally released at a, you know outside of an institution that is hundreds of miles away, and you're just literally given a debit card. So there's not an actual safe or warm handoff to where you are being placed in a in the protection of somebody or a group or an organization or a vehicle Speak. that will take you home or take you to a residence or take you to a house with a bed that's clean and safe, whether it's an individual or your transitional home or an organization um, or your family. That does not happen with women a lot of the times. I, CCWP does a great job in making sure that the women that they are connected with are picked up by somebody that they know. That's right. And it is a warm handoff um, to ensure that that woman is safe because a lot of times, majority of women who are incarcerated are survivors of traumatic abuse. Mm. Um, Speaking to the men, I've had the privilege of actually being at the institution that we're at where I was able to form relationships with a lot of the LWAPs who were commuted. That's right. Um, My sister. What's a, what is that? The LWAP being a, a, a person incarcerated with a life without the possibility of parole sentence. The other death penalty. Yes, okay. it is a living death sentence. And Lancaster is a institution that has managed to have a lot of, of people with this sentence commuted by Governor Brown this past year, 2018. And I've had the privilege of making these connections with some of them because I've seen them over the last six years while we've been there and visiting. Um, and some of the groups that we do and the organizational things that we have in the town halls that we've had in seminars, they have been speakers. Um, Ken Hartman is one who That's is right. an early person to come out. I and love he, you, bro. Watching his transformation over the last year. Um, Tin, who you've also had on the program. He, anytime I invite him to something, he shows up for me, and he's just mm. awesome. You know, th- there's a learning curve. You know, these these people, these these citizens, these human beings have been incarcerated for decades, That's sometimes right. three decades yes. or more. Hello. Um, yeah. So to dump them off, to release them outside Literally. of the gate. Literally. Uh, without their Social Security card, mm-hmm. without medical benefits, mm-hmm. without a California ID is really confusing to me. I mean, it's almost insane. And then to expect them to, within six months, have a job, have a home, have all those documentations, have a vehicle, because Mm -hmm. let's face it, if you live in California... Speak on it. You kind of need a car. You can use public transportation. It works great. It's brutal. (laughs) It's brutal. You couldn't even say that with a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. No, you you need some form of reliable transportation. Right. Yeah, with insurance. Yes, and insurance. And how about let's run an apartment and run a background check, run a credit check. Mm. You have none. Mm. If you've been incarcerated Candace, for just years, let, 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 let me quantify something. When they give you the debit card that she's uh, speaking on, this is $150 or maybe $200, and you're off in somebody's mountain mm. somewhere, Pelican Bay, uh, Chino. Calipatria. Calipatria. Now, about time you get to the city where you are by getting lost maybe a day or two, uh, that $150 to $200 is most likely gone. And to add to the point of the women, I've literally mentored uh, thousands of men, and you can check on that through uh, the commutations of Governor Brown. He even spoke to many people that was mentored. And these men who was on the streets told me of a culture 
of finding vulnerable women just getting out, being that they have nowhere to go. And, uh, and they actually are preyed upon. And I've had dozens to hundreds of men tell me there's a known culture of that. So when she spoke on that, that is not something that we should take uh, lightly at all. Excuse me, sis. I just wanted to, to, to right. make those points. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I, I really feel like I've, had, I've been in a unique position, not just with the organizations that I'm in, but also because of the men coming home. So when I've encountered somebody that I've met inside, I'll see them out I'll see them at an event. I met Tobias literally at my graduation from SE Justice Group. I don't see somebody who is incarcerated. I just see a human being. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's that's important. Right. Um, so you said your husband got commuted, right? Oh. Let, let's hear that story. Because I and let's I talk about. I think we have time for that story. Well, because <laughs> it's interesting. Okay, so the, you know what? That you're right. Let, we can make it a short story. We can make a short story, and I also want to maybe connect it to um, the work that maybe Raven, Raven's experience with it, the community, community at the community level. I'm sorry, right? In, in certain ways that we can um, maybe bridge the the work that you both do. Um, but yeah, go ahead and start with the story. This, we all have a, a good love story. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We met in high school. Wow. The crime happened. We were not together at the time. He was 19. I was 18. Wow. Uh, he was charged and sentenced, given an LWAP sentence. And he did luckily not get, um, he was not shipped around a lot. He went to Corcoran. And he was in Corcoran for 17 years. And we reconnected. And... We've been together ever since. Mm. Wow, wow. And in 2017, he submitted two commutation applications. I don't believe that they ever reached the governor's office. Mm. I don't have proof. But I was watching the commutation process work. I was watching men with an LWAP sentence come home. Mm. So I believe I mentioned Ken Hartman, yes. Tobias, yeah. another gentleman, uh, Brad. Yeah, Woody. And yeah. I was like, okay, I think we should do this again. And again, some of the groups I'm in, um, Fuel, CCWP, I was seeing that their members were also filing commutations and having... Um, phone conferences with like Cares for Youth. They were kind of explaining the process. Satina Green, who actually also works with the Place for Grace, um, she was doing like PowerPoint presentations of this is how we did our commutation, you know, application. Um, so, being who my husband is, we decided to be a little bit um, less. Um, we just decided to go for simplicity. <laughs> so we did the application, and he had seven support letters. Hmm. And I flew up to Sacramento for a Sweet. drop LWAP rally that we did with CCWP. At the same time, we were also doing lobbying for SB 1437 with um, CURB and with uh, several other organizations. Okay. Uh, so during that lobbying time, there was downtime, and I thought, I have my... My application with, that was beautifully written and a beautiful envelope with our picture and it, you know, application and seven support letters. And I tried to take it to the governor's office and the guard wouldn't take it. Mm. And he's like, "There's a mailroom. You can take it there." Mm. So I'm like, "Okay." 
So I put it in the box by the mail room, but my girlfriend was like, knock. And I was like, okay. Hmm. So I knocked and the little girl answered and she said she couldn't take it, but she, I had to put it in the bucket. So she, I put it in the bucket and she takes it. And then I followed up with an email about three weeks later and I got a reply from Governor Brown's legal team and they said, yes, we've received the commutation application. And I asked a few other questions because at the time, what was very obvious was that once you submitted a commutation application, a commissioner or an investigator would be sent to interview the person. Right. And based on that interview, information is then gathered and put in a file and presented to the governor and his team. So if you didn't get an interview, you weren't going to get commutation. You had to have one. You had to have them both. You could not just have one. Mm -hmm. At least that's what all of our research and statistically the information that we have. So... He wasn't getting interviewed. This is in August. I, I delivered it August 6th. Mm-hmm. I delivered it August 6th. Um, there was no interview. On October 19th, he was interviewed. Amen. There Amen. was a Thanksgiving commutation release that was actually very um, unprecedented for Governor Brown. Usually he's only done his Easter and his Christmas. We weren't on the list. And so December 19th, I started drafting letters to Gavin Newsom. Hmm. And I started drafting um, requests for support letters. And I started looking for attorneys who maybe could help Mm -hmm. and looking at SB 1437 and how we could apply for that. Maybe he would fall under the felony murder rule. Um, And that weekend, uh, he was commuted in the Christmas Eve Speaks group. Uh, let me let me just give a little bit. Uh, we all see that Candace is very well spoken and poised, and I'm not gonna put uh, too much out there. But uh, we was at the Starbucks, and uh, you know, often I, I really don't know any woman. There's very few that's done in the work that she has done, not just for her husband, but for. Uh, men and women in incarceration. And uh, we're in the Starbucks. We're talking really about a lot of my personal affairs. We get to going into uh, her husband coming out, Jamil. And uh, there was a real deep emotional moment. And inside of that moment, I seen the weight of not only Candace, but like every woman who is fighting for their husbands, fighting for their sons, fighting for their nephews, their brothers, their lovers. And, uh, you know, sister's crying and I'm feeling helpless. And so um, I hug her in that moment and we, we, we cast a prayer before God and she's speaking on oh, trying to get transcripts. I'm trying to get affidavits. Like pretty much she's just, just cried out to life, the universe, God. You know, what do I got to do? And simply just told sis that you're about to see something. It's something I've never did. I've never told a person, your husband has come out of prison. That's the number one rule in counseling, spirituality, mentorship. Never tell a mother, a wife, a child that their their parent is coming out of prison. You don't do that. But it came out of my mouth for whatever reason, and I believed it, although I asked myself, why did I say that? But I just told sister, believe you're about to see something great. And in 24 hours, uh, true story, uh, he was commuted, bro. And so for me and her to uh, share that uh, moment and for him to be communed 24 hours uh, later, it's just, it's just powerful. 
It's just powerful. So it shows one, all her strength in fighting, flying, trying personally deliver it, being a part of organizations, and then being so vulnerable in herself to show that side of herself that, uh, you know, what's going on. So, yeah, that was beautiful to say the least, bro. Yeah, I think we really need to honor that. That's what, that's one way. Um, you know, you said you felt helpless, Tobias, yeah, right, yeah, when you heard this. Yeah, but yeah. this one way to help is maybe recognizing all the work, right, that this takes, you know, the resilience and the, not only the physical labor, but like the emotional labor, the emotional toll that that takes on somebody, right, and family members. And, yeah, oftentimes it is women, like you said, to take up this responsibility. Um, so, yeah, this is this is amazing to hear that he was commuted his sentence was commuted so what next how does that mm. <laughs> before we go on to what next okay can i just mention uh sb 2845 Please. which is the pardons senate and bill. Commu- uh, commutation bill okay senate bill um senate bill 2845 uh it was co-authored by bonta and it's something that passed this past year and it was supposed to it's supposed to bring transparency to the commutation process because currently there really is no transparency. Mm. You submit your application, you hope it gets there, and other than hand delivering it, you don't know. You don't know. There's wow. really no confirmation. Um, and then after that process, you still don't know. So I don't know how long, or if that was your first commutation application that you submitted, Tobias, but I know in another person's case, looking at his, he did his in 2014. Mm. Um, and it's that long a period of time before you get an answer, before they send an interview. So the Senate bill is supposed to bring transparency. They're supposed to have the applications available in every courthouse on their website, which they don't because I just checked yesterday and I've been in contact with um, Bonta's office asking about why it's not even up on Gavin Newsom's website. Yeah, Governor Newsom, excuse me. Um, we're gonna give him a little bit more time because the website is in transition. Mm-hmm. That's right. But it's supposed to at least kind of streamline so that families get an answer within a year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because right now they uh, it's clearly understood and noted that they owe you no response at no time. So uh, that's what it caused a lot of people to burn the system because they put it in in the '90s, the 2000s, whatever the case might be. My situation was unique within itself how mine came across. But most people. I've seen the agony and stress. It was, is it received? If it's not received, and to the point, I know men over years have sent two or three or four in. Right. Yeah, so. Right. And I think, I think this goes back to what you were talking about earlier, right? When people are released, it's really easy for for different institutions to coordinate, right? Because oftentimes they'll there'll be immigration waiting for mm. waiting outside to, to pick up somebody oh, once they're released really? you know there's always there's always possibilities of making things easier streamlining certain processes so this is no accident right that this happens this way that there's there's no transparency and um when it's punitive they're able to coordinate <laughs> oh yeah right. if it's mm-hmm. helpful to yeah. the formerly incarcerated individual yeah. they don't know what to do mm-hmm Oh, they know what to do. Mm. Yeah, it's something that uh, Candace brought up as before we came on uh, air. She was saying the same way that we can coordinate with agencies that are about to extract some kind of punitive measure. What if uh, DNB was already contacting? We've already taken the written part of the test and had some form of means mm-hmm. of uh, preparing 
for or the driver's part? What if a uh, birth certificate was already? Uh, what if the California, the same way they can take a ID to keep me locked up in there and to make sure that uh, they keep those fresh every three or four years? Do the California ID, uh, Social Security uh, number, they know our Social Security number, every uh, counselor have these are things that I'm telling you, this is brutal. You know, standing in the lines, mostly when you go to uh, what they call it, uh, I call it the county jail, but the county building, that's traumatizing. Uh, mental health, uh, people who are still a part of the gang life mm-hmm. are there. Uh, when I can say, they've streamlined the lines. It's not the long 20, 30, 40, two, three-hour lines now. But, uh, you know, there's no sense of urgency. There's no sense concerning us and our plight. Uh, so when she uh, made those kind of suggestions, we have to create organization networks and programs that before the nine months that we're waiting from a point of being commuted to our psych evaluation, to our um, board hearing, that nine months, nine months like a birth, can be taken really seeking to uh, get our re-citizenship. So all the things that we need and a basic course on technology. You know, those of us who didn't, uh, you know, play with uh, cell phones in there, it should be some course on how to work cell phones, laptops, tablets, uh, financial literacy, emotional literacy, uh, cultural literacy. See, all this can be done within that nine months. So this is one thing that Raven and Candace uh, is helping me with. Uh, going through the right channels to create these kinds of uh, services and programs and get the proper funding uh, so we can offer that to incarcerated space. So we wanted to highlight that in the reentry and transitioning. These are just basic things that any individual, and that, that uh, I forgot how she said it, that transition, that soft transition or that smooth transition. Warm, or the, hand the, warm hands. You can thank for Marilyn Ralston. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, the warm Kelsey hands. Fullerton, yeah. Project Rebound, yeah, yeah. member. Yeah, look at it, look at it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the warm hands, that's very essential. I, I was blessed to have my aunts, my family, four or five organizations within months of that, uh, meeting Raven, uh, Cal State University, embracing me, Alfred sending me, like we was buzz, hey bro, come on this podcast, bro. You soldier with me, it's half your, you know. That's the warm hands. Mm-hmm. So when people see me, they say, man, we don't even imagine you've been in prison that long. Yeah, because I have people around me that are, I'm talking about adamant and making sure. You know, I'm talking about walking, driving down the street. Candace asked me, do you think you're institutionalized? Well, look, I said, answer too. Yeah, she asked me that. So now. Let's challenge maybe some of the things in your thinking, your attitude, your movements that might be still connecting you in an advert ways to long incarceration. Mm-hmm. Let's get those to be transferable skills. Let's get some resiliency going. Let's keep you moving. Let not you become complacent mm-hmm. with mediocrity on these streets. So you need good people around you. And I think when she said warm hands, those are those warm hands right there that all of us, Tobias shouldn't be special. And the day that Tobias is not special is the day that I believe I've done my job. That everyone coming out needs a Raven and a Candace and a, an Alfred and a Jesse. So we have to create organizations that have that warm hand effect and create that bridge. So, uh, yeah, this is exciting to say the least. I think the crazy part is that a lot of that labor has been um, kind of delegated to the grassroots level, mm-hmm. right? With no money and no, or limited funding and limited energy and limited resources. And so I think 
you're right. You know, we do need to make sure everybody who comes out has that. But um, one way we can do that now is maybe directing them, right? You know, connecting them with certain people. Um, and then the larger fight, making it be a lot more institutionalized, like you said, mm. right? Mm. Um, at least that's like a good temporary short-term goal because I think the ultimate goal would be just to abolish, abolish but the current but that's going to happen I, tomorrow I know so in the interim on a micro level what can we do that would improve a returning citizen's life and make things easier because mm-hmm. Tobias is in a special situation he has a family he had a support group a network of people and then people fell into his life mm-hmm. Because either the universe wanted it or God wanted it, but it happened. I, several other individuals I know who were serving LWAP sentences were also somewhat, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say use the word lucky because I do think there was a lot of work put into Amen. being able to make the connections that they had and have a warm handoff. Those, aren't, those are unique situations. It's not the norm. Mm-hmm. And it should be. And that's crazy to me because those are the only situations I'm familiar with from, as an outsider, right? Because only all the people I've met have been through different channels, not somebody I've randomly run into. So to hear someone say that's just that's a uh, exception and not the rule is really disheartening for me. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I forget that people are incarcerated for sets for determinate lengths because my mindset has always just been. LWAPs, you know, mm. a lot, a long you know, life without the possibility of a parole sentence. And I never consider sometimes somebody who's, you know, just is given a 10-year sentence. But they are the vast majority. I mean, there's only 5,000 LWAPs, 5,206. Um, and the vast majority are doing a, a determined sentence, and they will come home. And yes. we're not doing the yes. things that we need to do to ensure that they have skills, marketable skills, technological skills, basic skills. I mean, if we think of how far technology has advanced in the last year with our cell phone or with laptops or with touch screens. Mm. Candace, let me say this too, and this is something because we're creating different programs about what is uh, computer literacy, what is uh, you know technical literacy. You can't even have a warehouse job without understanding a tablet. Mm. You know, everything is run by computer social media connected, digitally uh, ran. So even if you're going to come out and most of us have to do some kind of manual labor, if you don't know how to uh, work a computer or a tablet, then, you know, those jobs become dis- uh, very difficult to uh, get. So we have to have that component. And I was explaining to someone most, I've been fortunate to be able to use my voice, my heart, my mind, uh, but most men in my uh, roommate, uh, 70 years old, he rocks six to eight miles a day uh, round trip and his job. He's working three jobs and he still doesn't uh, make a living wage with three jobs. 70 years old, 40 years of incarceration to the point now he's sleeping with a heat pack on his back because he's a split vertebrae in his back from all the walking. So this is real. And that's a 70-year-old man that has to be, re, uh, I guess, transitioned inside the society, inside of the current system. And it's brutal, you know. So, yeah, to be able to speak on this and complicate, as Alfred said, yes. the, uh, the conversation. 
is uh, not only exciting, but uh, promising. You mentioned his age, and I just want to touch on something, and it's because of the position that I have in my job where it's HR payroll. Um, Age discrimination is not supposed to occur, but it happens. Mm -hmm. So imagine somebody with skills who's my age, 44 years old, with a degree, going to apply for a job. Okay. Then we have Raven, who's, you know, younger, 22, yeah. with her degree. Howard. Yeah, you know, you know, doesn't have children or the mortgage I have or whatever, and maybe is willing to, you know, take the job, or they just see something, and they hire her. Now imagine somebody 70 years old mm-hmm. with a record mm-hmm. trying to get a job. Mm-hmm. And he has a degree because he's, you know, maybe he came to incarceration late, but he was able, or maybe he was able to attain his degree while inside. Who are you hiring? Mm-hmm. Mm. More businesses really need to, I think, take a lead in, in hiring formerly incarcerated individuals. In, in, in do your stuff, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> no, do your stuff, sister. Yeah. We've done a lot of good with banning the box and not having to um, force people to to stay if they have a criminal record, if they've had a misdemeanor, if they've had a felony. But it still happens. After they made a job offer, they can still go and ask, and they can actually do things that may be illegal or not to deter that person from taking the job. Or it's, like, ambiguous, right? They don't yes. have to be explicit about the certain reasons or whatnot, right. transparent. Um, so how are you going to help us with that, Raven? <laughs> your community work that you're doing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just want to put you on the spot for a little bit. Social development, community <laughs> no, development. I think that's that's a real point. Um, I think that, so like there's studies now. Um, the most successful business going into this current times are those that are the most diverse businesses. Um, and so I think that it's important that we have the conversation that diversity um Yes, it's skin color. Yes, it's background. Yes, it's so socioeconomic status, but it's also age. Like, that's a real thing. So that's, that's legit. It's literally just we have to bring that up. Just like we have people that are fighting for those other causes of equality. We got to make sure that age is presented to the table. It's true. Mm-hmm. Definitely true. Um, and it's, it's exciting to see this uh, conversation enter the public um, consciousness through the mm-hmm. documentaries yeah. and bigger names coming up and speaking out against it. Um, and that's that's great. You know, that's yeah. that's a big part of how this is going to happen is by people thinking about it. It is. You know, because so many the only people that usually think about it are people who are directly impacted. Yeah. Right. Um, which makes it so much harder and so much less transparent. Right. And it makes it easier to remain that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we wrap up, thank you. I want to thank you both, uh, Candace no, and, and Raven. No, and let's really shout out to her. Uh-huh. Like, really, no, seriously, mm-hmm. like, if we could, and if you're hearing this in your car or whatever, just if you could, think thank you to Candace in your that's mind right, right now. Right. Because she'll feel it. Like, I really hope you feel that, like, we... Thank you. That's right. And, you know... Let's say it together. One, two, three. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> that's right. No, like you, like Tobias and uh, we were talking about earlier, right? We really need to recognize the work and respect it and acknowledge that this is work, time, and energy, and shifting your life around. And, you know, someone like Candace isn't just fighting for her husband, but, you know, out of that consciousness, it becomes this larger investment in the larger project and the larger problem. And um, not everybody does that. You know, it's very exhausting. It's very easy, I imagine, to stick to your your partner or whatnot only, right? But thank you. I really want to 
again thanks raven for Thank making this reflect on this mm. i really want to highlight that any any last minute plugins? Since you're giving me the option, yes, please. <laughs> My fuel family, families united to end LWAP. Jerry Silva, Ken Hartman, CCWP, Colby Lenz, Romero Lynn Ralston, Project Rebound, Cal State Fullerton. There's so many people that are doing great work uh, that have been doing this for years that aren't funded That's the right. way some of the larger organizations are. And along this journey, I have met amazing, wonderful, beautiful people. Uh, Freedom for Youth, Michelle Molina, gifted artist. I can't even, the list is huge. Hundreds of people this past year who have reached out, who have taken a phone call, who have answered an email and asked for nothing in return and have provided me with a shoulder, a resource, explanation of a bill um, and have taken the time to really just try and form a connection and be present for me and I owe a lot to these people and I'm just standing on the shoulder of giants I'm I'm no one special and I've always said that to people Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just one person trying to do better and trying to make the world better trying to bring a light to the darkness that is incarceration that is an LWAP sentence which is a living death sentence, and the only way an LWAP inmate will ever gain their freedom is by a commutation with the governor. Mm. They will die in prison. Mm -hmm. So with that, I just encourage everybody to look into these other organizations. CCWP does great work. Field does uh, great work. CURB does great work. Um, Freedom for Youth. Place for Grace goes into prisons and uh, has grants that they do. They do camps. They're just amazing people. And you you have to find them, though. She did that. Yeah. <laughs> how, about, how about Raven? Talk to us, Raven. Uh, it's all love. It's all love. Um, wishing y'all well until we meet again. And thank you. Okay. That's sweet and simple. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, thank you again to our listeners for tuning in. And uh, please share these stories, these episodes with anybody you know, because that's largely, we can only do so much of the work recording these and archiving it, but a lot of the work also comes in sharing and spreading the word, um, getting these episodes out there and these this information out there. So with your help, I thank you for those of you who have already shared, who continue to share and uh, listen. And um, until next time, this is Alfred and this is Tobias. And um, please go ahead and send us any comments or questions you have to sentencespodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on iTunes or SoundCloud and on Instagram at sentencespodcast. Thank you. And until next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>